Hey there, this is Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, I have introduced Scott to a very peculiar, interesting, eye-opening film. A movie that is a bit of a cult classic. A movie that is advertised as a, get ready for this one, black comedy teen film yeah kind there there are so many aren't there can't we just name them all okay done already we (laughs) are talking about heathers released Ah. in 1989 this movie is very 90s without actually being made in the 90s (laughs) yeah it's very hard to explain the first five minutes of the movie Mm mm-hmm like, we haven't even gotten to the nitty-gritty yet. But there is a scene that is so, like, jarring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe in, like, the first five to ten minutes, Scott was very, oh, my God, what the hell just happened? And I was like, oh, honey, <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> well, yeah, that first scene, that scene we're talking about, when we get there, it's just so fucked up. It's just fucking crazy. It really is. It's fucking crazy. I think the first time I saw this, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but I remember not really getting it, not really being into it. Uh, I think I was significantly younger than I am now, so it just didn't hit me at the right time, I guess. It went over my head, and then I watched it again maybe a couple of years ago, and it like hit me like a truck. I was like, oh my god, I love this movie! <laughs> There's so many iconic lines, so much like fucked up black comedy <laughs> that I really just very much vibe with. A lot of people feel like try to throw that term in a movie and a lot of times I feel like it's n- no. The most iconic example of what Scott is describing I think is The Room which is a so bad it's good movie for the ages. If you haven't seen it please look it up. I mean my god what are you doing with your life if you haven't seen The Room? But Pretty famously, Tommy Wiseau, who is the creator and director of that movie, he, by all accounts, made it with all sincerity, the movie. And then after it kind of tanked and everyone hated it, he started marketing it as a black comedy because it was so bad it's good. And he tried to capitalize on it that way. Like, yes, I did this on purpose. And it's like, no, you, you didn't. So in that case, that's true. But I think the story in this movie is so well-crafted and the messaging in it is so well-crafted and speaks, I think, to the teenage generation men that any kind of logical inaccuracies, and there are some for sure, can be easily overlooked for just the sheer audacity of the film. (laughs) Audacity, yeah, it... It's it's really I it's hard to say anything else without like getting into the film. Like this is I know Frankie's got her fun facts and stuff. I know Oh I do. You're gonna be very perturbed by some of the fun facts. <laughs> but I know uh some of the people involved with this were also involved in the movie Hudson Hawk. Yes, they have well, okay. So the man who directed this movie is a man by the name of Michael Lehman. This is his feature film debut. It won the Indie Spirit Award for Best Feature in 1990. So this was a really, despite the fact that it didn't do well at the box office, there was some success put on this movie 
right from the start. He was the director also of Hudson Hawk, which I did not even know was a movie that existed until Scott mentioned it to me quite recently and put it on the list for us to do on Shoot the Flick at some point, (laughs) simply because from what I understand, it's really weird. It is really weird. And now putting these two movies together, Mm -hmm. it's just like, huh. And this guy also directed Airheads, which is another pretty uh, weird movie. Underground. Yeah, it's kind of an underground 90s movie that was pretty fun I, I haven't seen it in a long long time oh yeah it's been it's been like but it's 10 wh- years for me yeah brendan fraser adam sandler and buscemi yes and they're like just like they're fucking a grunge heads and yeah yeah they're i think a grunge rock band yeah and they basically take over a radio station right okay yes i remember this vaguely yeah i think this guy is kind of known for that brand of filmmaking which is like very cultish because this movie definitely has a cult following and we're going to get to that for those of you who have never heard of heathers and don't really it's basically mean girls but like really really dark (laughs) they also (laughs) speaking of mean girls you know how um mean girls is like a big phenomenon pretty much the opposite of what heathers was when it came out yeah what what other stuff did they do with mean girls they made a musical. They did. Heather's has a musical? It does. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> that look on the face you gave. Oh, yes. Scotty, you know how I love musicals. You do love musicals. I've never seen Heather's the Musical. However, I have listened to the soundtrack many times, and it's good. <laughs> I need it hard. Not a musical episode, but like it is kind of in a way. There's like so many movies now that are musicals, Scott. And a lot of which are on Broadway or were on Broadway. They also like the horror kind of thing. Yes. Heather's the Musical is no exception to that. I so badly want to like dive into this thing. So Yeah, I can see you're like clutching. You're I know. <laughs> I'm like ready because I just fucking... I love this movie. I always find it particularly exciting when I find a movie or I watch a movie that like I feel like not a lot of people know about and it's really fucking good and then I can like tell other people that I feel like that's a common thing yeah then you're like I'm special I know about this movie even though Heather's I think is a lot more popular now because it has the musical and everything but just side note yes when you find a movie that like hey have you heard of this and you're like no well here it is it's always a great feeling Like I said, the director of this movie was Michael Lehman. The writer is a guy by the name of Daniel Waters. This was also his feature film debut, and he also wrote for Hudson Hawk, but he also was a writer on Demolition Man. Oh, boy, Sly. And Batman Returns, which is Uh, which one? I think that's that's the Catwoman Penguin one. Oh, with Danny DeVito. With Danny DeVito. Fun. Christopher Walken's also in that one. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's also a weird one. <laughs> but fun fact, the writer originally wanted a just, you know, this nobody named Stanley Kubrick to direct the movie. <laughs> just nobody. Because um <laughs> he admired Kubrick obviously as as many did because of Doctor Strangelove, which was another kind of fucking bizarro movie. Yeah. But he said and I quote He's the only one that can get away with a three-hour movie. 
So he wanted <laughs> this movie to be three hours long, which is like the implication of that. I don't know if that's true. If it is, that would be a little much. I don't know where, like, even like if you wanted to stretch it to two hours, I don't even know where you would really add stuff about it starting to feel long. And then, of course, regarding the musical... It is a rock musical, naturally. Music, lyrics, and book by Kevin Murphy, who did Reefer Madness, and Lawrence O'Keefe, who did Legally Blonde the musical. Yes, there's a Legally Blonde musical, too. And guess what? That is fucking great. (laughs) Side note to mine and Frankie's relationship. Back in high school. Oh, no. uh, We were in a, like, we were in theater class together, and there was a bend and snap dance choreography sequence and Frankie would play the character that broke my nose. Yes, I played Jennifer Coolidge's character in the movie who's like the lady that goes, um, oh, you look like the 4th of July. Makes me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> that lady. I played that lady. And then you played like the sexy UPS guy that she has a crush on and oh, then yeah. I accidentally break your nose. Fun. <laughs> I thought it was on broadway but i i was looking it up i don't think it ever was on broadway i think like the movie it kind of just had a cult status to it and it it gained a lot of mainstream popularity over time i found this also kind of hilarious considering the content it has a very popular yet pretty heavily edited high school version of the musical that they can do in high schools and i'm sure many have because it's again very popular but I just found that very interesting. <laughs> it, it considering is, it is so interesting when you think about it, with na- especially now with how things are in schools. Like, yeah, this, yeah, this is a movie that couldn't come out now. <laughs> so we're gonna get into the nitty and the gritty, and I, I would just like to challenge ourselves, dear and audience. Please feel free to help us out here because in the movie Heather's. Believe it or not, the name Heather is uttered a walloping, shocking 90 times. And I'm very curious to see if we can beat that record in this episode. Oh, God. Who's going to keep count of the times we say Heather? Some poor fucking idiot. Or most likely me, because I am usually the poor fucking idiot. (laughs) That is incorrect. Incorrect. You are not an idiot. Aw. But I'm poor. (laughs) Well, I'm poor, too. We're both poor. Yay. So, we get our opening credits over the song, Que Sera Sera. What will be, will be. Indeed. The future's not ours to see. Que Sera Sera. And we meet our Heathers, a little bitchy popular girl trio of all girls named Heather. There's three of them. They're the Ashleys. Yes. <laughs> there is Heather Duke, played by Shannon Doherty of Beverly Hills 90210 fame. There is Heather McNamara, played by Lisanne Falk. Originally, the role was offered to Heather Graham, ironically ah. enough, but she, I think her parents, because she was only 17 at the time, so her parents were like, no, we don't want her in this movie. We don't like the content. <laughs> it's too it's too fucked up. And, like, that's fair. Um, and then we have the queen bee of this little trifecta of, of terror. We have Heather Chandler, played by Kim Walker. We meet these girls. 
They're very they're very preppy. They're very uh, bitchy and cunty, and we love that about them. <laughs> love, yeah, we love the plastics. We love them so much. And also, there is a running theme of the movie. I don't know if you'd call it a theme. They're playing croquet a lot. And I don't know if, I mean, I've never played croquet a day in my life. It seems like a very hoity-toity sport thing to do. So maybe that's the the message they're trying to send. You know, very hoity-toity. Well, yes, it is a very hoity-toity. I have played croquet. You've played croquet? Yes, I have, actually. Ooh! Would uh, you like some pate for your croquet? I would love some pate. And um, after we meet the Heathers, we meet our main character, Veronica, who is a, a newly minted member of the Heathers gang, so to speak. Veronica is played by Winona Ryder just one year after... Her role in Beetlejuice, her agent supposedly begged her not to do the movie, saying it would ruin her career. And uh, Jennifer Connelly was originally supposed to be Veronica, but she turned it down, I'm guessing, also because of just the content. Nobody liked the content of this movie. For those of you who are listening now who don't know the content of this movie, you're probably like, what the fuck happens in this movie about bitchy girls in high school? (laughs) Oh, you fools. <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> well, this just adds to Winona Ryder just being Winona Ryder. That's true. I mean, you know, I don't love every movie she's ever been in, but, like, she knows what she wants and she does whatever the fuck she wants. Like, no one's telling Winona Ryder, you have to do this, you have to do that. She's the goth princess, basically. That's true, too, yeah. Uh, of, like, the late 80s into the 90s. Throughout the movie, she narrates through um, her diary entries. And she writes very furiously in her diary, very passionately. And she talks in the beginning here about how she left her average popularity friends to move in on the Heathers gang and be one of the popular girls. And one of the lines she says here is, uh, if you want to fuck with the Eagles, you got to learn how to fly. (laughs) Which I love that line. I love so many fucking lines in this fucking movie. Like, we're going to talk about... Oh, my God. So iconic. There are so many good lines, but so there's so many that fly, like, by you that you're like, yes. wait, the script does not stop. No, and that's what I really love about it is that... Because this is the third time I'm watching it now, and I even picked up on things that I didn't pick up on before. So... We see all the Heathers with Veronica together at school, and the Heathers are being cunts. And basically using Veronica to bully other people and be cunts to them. Well, yeah, because we learn very quickly that Veronica has a very special skill. She can mimic basically anyone's handwriting just by looking at it. Which turns out, for the purposes of the plot that is going to unfold, is very useful. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> we meet uh, Martha, who is a heavy set young girl who gets picked on a lot by the Heathers and by the jocks and by everybody. Speaking of the jocks, oh my god, these fucking two jock assholes that they introduce in the movie. Uh, what is it? Kurt and Ram. They're fucking so heavily coded gay. It's like hysterical. <laughs> it's like so, like literally every time you go to them, they're talking about pussy, but it's not like in a normal, like they're just like overly talking about it to the point where it's so obvious they're compensating for a lack of interest in pussy. (laughs) Despite the fact that Veronica is kind of adhering to social hierarchy by trying to be a part of the Heather, she still kind of gives it back to Heather Chandler when she's being like a fucking asshole. 
at one point she's arguing with heather chandler and chandler just turns to veronica and says oh fuck me gently with a chainsaw and i'm like oh my god it's just like some of the lines of this movie just smack you in the face but i love that too because i feel like that's kind of a it makes a statement about just teen culture in general that like we're in between adulthood and childhood like we're treated like we're kids but yet in a lot of ways we're at, we act and feel like adults well yeah it's, but we're we're not it's like it's weird it's the transition period yeah and the transition period is always fucking Torture. horrible right and not for nothing like there's a lot of movies out there that talk about and tap into the teen experience but i feel like this movie does it in a particularly down and dirty kind of way and really again kind of smacks you in the face with certain things <laughs> it's taking the teen angst yes and turning it to 11 veronica comes upon a young boy just a a normal <laughs> totally not psychotic young boy in a fucking black duster with a little fucking smirk on his face it's christian slater you guys and christian slater throughout his entire career i want to say has never played the same person ever he plays the character of jd and you know i gotta say like christian slater is one of those actors that like never has fully gotten his his due as like a leading guy you know maybe when you look at him at first you don't think he's, he's got a lot to him but like he's got a very specific brand of charm in a lot of his movies that like makes him stand out in a weird way which i dig see i don't think he's a leading man he's much better as a side character because his energy and the way he talks and the way he does things like i think of this i think of robin hood Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner, Broken Arrow with John Travolta. I was just going to say Broken Arrow because he's with John Travolta who's like fucking, you know, he's John Travolta. At that point, yeah. Right, so like it's hard to kind of keep up with that, but he really does a good job of doing that. But fun fact, there, there were many actors considered for the role of JD. Brad Pitt actually auditioned for the role. I could see that. But was turned down for being what? Too pretty? Too nice. Ah, uh, apparently Christian Slater has gone on record saying his performance was heavily inspired by the one and only Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But JD is fucking crazy <laughs> and we're going to get there. But he's also very handsome and charming. Ain't that always the way? So you're saying I'm crazy? Yes. Okay. Well, were you? Uh, oh, sorry. Were you going to say more to your sentence? Did I cut you off? No, it's fine. No. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, you're also handsome and charming. But you're crazy a little bit, too. But that's okay. Aren't we all a little crazy? Don't we all go a little mad sometimes, Vince Vaughn? Do we dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Veronica and JD are really flirting with each other hardcore right now. The fucking jock bully guys, you know, Ram and Kurt, they don't like that this fucking weird guy is flirting with Veronica. So when Veronica leaves... They go up to confront him and scare him or whatever. And this is the moment where Scott was like, w- what? <laughs> Scott, why, why don't you explain the experience? So Ram and Kurt go up to JD and put their fingers in his mashed potatoes. And JD stands up. That's not a euphemism for anything, by the way. It, it literally, that's literally what happened. Just making <laughs> sure everyone knows. So JD 
calls them assholes, they get all like, whoa, 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 fuck you, man. And JD pulls a fucking revolver, pulls the trigger, and they cut to the next scene. (laughs) And you're like, what the fuck? Scott, it's fine. Scott, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Are you sure? Because she has zero adventurer training. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. She'll be fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Maybe it is fine. It's fine. He's in a school. And he whipped out a gun, a real gun, filled with blanks, and shot at the guy an inch away from his face and didn't kill him because that's a thing that we all know. If you shoot at someone with blanks, nothing happens. Yeah, there's no muzzle fire. No, 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 no. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. This is the reason why Heathers could not come out today. <laughs> I think. Why? Because gun violence? Oh my god, we've never had a movie with gun violence before. No, not... No, yes, we've had movies with gun violence. But I feel like school shootings... Well, yes. But the thing with Heathers, for those of you that don't know, we're going to get into it when we get more into the plot, but like... There's definitely a thing with gun violence in schools and among teenagers, right? But there's also a thing uh, with suicide amongst teenagers and high schoolers and stuff like that. Those are obviously very serious subjects, but it, it says a lot about how society looks at those situations, particularly with adolescents. And I think that this movie does a better job than most other teen movies that deal with that kind of stuff because it takes it to such an extreme for one thing to where you can't help but just notice like how absurd it is but also it brings a lot of light to how hopeless it seems to teenagers to live in that kind of environment and I mean also there is a sexual assault element too in the movie yeah, there is. To, just, they you know, and they put the of, cherry on top. There's also sexual assault. Yeah, they kind of glaze over that one a little bit. They do, and we're going to talk about that too. So I, I appreciate what this movie did, even though maybe it, it couldn't... If it did get done today, I think it could still get done today, but I think it would get a lot of controversy. But that's the thing. Controversy can be great, or controversy could be a death nail. Mind you, though, they made a fucking musical out of it. Well, yeah, they made a musical, but... And it's very popular. Well, you said it's very cult popular. Right. But it is popular. Popular. No. 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 (laughs) Listen, when the Wicked movie comes out, we'll talk about it. (laughs) So, literally right after that scene where JD pulls the gun on the guys, they cut to the next scene and they're like, oh, you know, it was just blanks. It's no big deal. Implying that nothing happened to him, which is really also another logical aspect of the movie that doesn't make any sense this kid pulled out an actual gun shot at someone else and like you know traumatized the fuck out of another student at least two other students but nothing happened to him he didn't get suspended he didn't get expelled so after all this happens Veronica is still very much into JD, but she decides she's going to go with the HBIC Heather Chandler to this frat party. And it's basically a test for Veronica to see if she can handle being with the popular clique. You know, Chandler's like, oh, I'm going to take you to this frat party and don't embarrass me because if you do, I'll you know, I'll fucking ruin you, bitch. (laughs) So they go to the party, and of course, Veronica, quote-unquote, ruins it for Chandler. She doesn't want to fuck 
the guy. Yeah, she doesn't want to fuck this college guy. Turns him down. She gets kind of drunk and pukes on Heather's shoes. And it's a fucking whole big to-do. So then one of the fucking like most iconic scenes in the movie happens when she leaves the party and Heather follows her. And she's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Look at everything I've done for you. And, and all I get in, in return is puke on my shoes. And then Veronica turns to her and goes, lick it up, baby. Lick it up. In between like their argument or whatever, it cuts back and forth to Veronica at, in her room writing furiously in her diary about how much she hates Heather Chandler. And it, one of the, another line that I found really funny that I didn't remember from my previous watches, she goes, I want to kill Heather Chandler, not for purely selfish reason. This is not just a spoke in my menstrual cycle. And I'm like... Oh my god, it's like a fucking poet wrote that. It's a spoke in the side, because get it, bicycle? Yes, I understand. And spoke yes. in the wheel. I love it. It's so good. But after this whole party scene, JG just shows up at her window. Yeah, you know what? And I get it. If you're a young teenage girl with, you know, visions of romanticism and sugar plums dancing in your head, you might not really notice the red flag of like, oh, this guy who I just met like yesterday. Who I didn't give my address to. Knows where I live and is climbing into my open bedroom window like, not even taking little pebbles and throwing them at the window to try and get my attention. Not even the say-anything moment where he has a boombox. Br- right. Just bringing a whole-ass ladder. Like, the fucking guy from Clarissa Explains It All, Sam, the best friend. He just... You've never seen that, have you? No. It's fine. You're you're a man. You don't have a penis. You didn't have to watch Clarissa. But <laughs> the the Melissa Joan Hart's best friend, Sam, who clearly had a little crushity crush on her, would always just have a ladder put it against her bedroom window and climb up and be like, hi, Clarissa. (laughs) And she'd be like, hi, Sam. And it was fine. (laughs) I wonder if this at all influenced Scream with like Billy and stuff. Oh, with Billy. I mean, Skeet Ulrich and Christian Slater, both of their characters in their respective movies definitely share similar vibes. But they do this window thing with like... Right, yeah, for sure. I think Scream is kind of a sanitized, which is odd to say version of this well scream is also taking shots at everybody so that's true too yeah scream is more making fun of just like horror tropes in general this kind of has a more uh psychological adolescent we just want to be understood kind of vibe you know what i mean but they play strip croquet and have sex yeah they just like have sex in the backyard like you know bunny rabbits and that's fine i mean you know do you boo boo And then um, afterwards, they're, you know, just talking about how much they hate Heather Chandler. And then they, like, devise a little plan. They're going to, like, go over to her house and uh, concoct a fake hangover cure in order to make Heather Chandler puke on herself so Veronica can get revenge and give a final fuck you to Heather Chandler. Her idea is to mix milk and orange juice which sounds disgusting. Yeah, it does sound pretty disgusting. But JD uh, is like, oh, you should really use... Drano. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Veronica's like, oh, no, silly. Stop messing around. Like, she totally laughs it off. And then she pours another cup with orange juice and milk in it. Ugh. And mixes it up. And she goes to take the cup into Heather's bedroom. But she accidentally grabs the wrong cup. 
and JD notices it and doesn't say anything. Heather, being her cunty self, is very rude and nasty. I mean, it's understandable. These two people just basically broke into her home. She proceeds to drink the Drano. And falls through a glass table. Yeah, she fucking dies. Uh, and then JD is <laughs> like, um, you know, this is fine. Everything's fine. Let's just write a suicide note. Mind you, neither one of them are clearly, even though JD is clearly a sociopath, as we find out even more later on in the movie, neither one of them are experienced fucking criminals because they are putting their fucking naked ass hands all over the fucking room, all over the cup. Uh, well, there is uh, so much evidence. Well, not only that, later on, the cops do show up. And they touch everything with their hands? Yes, that's true. The cops apparently don't wear gloves in this movie. Listen, this movie had a $3 million budget. We had to cut somewhere, Scott. We It was either get another camera or have a thing of gloves on set. Cut we the picked the camera. Budget. Cut the glove budget. We can't... <laughs> The cloth budget is too high for this damn movie. Like I said, the logistical fuckery in this movie, I feel, is okay to be overlooked simply because the message overpowers the logic. She's writing the suicide note, suicide note, quote unquote, in Heather Chandler's handwriting, because as we mentioned, she can just do that. He's like dictating it to her. I die knowing no one knew the real me. Good. We've done this before. So yeah, Heather Chandler is dead, and everybody is so upset. Everybody's crying, including the people that previously hated her, including Heather Duke, who's played by Shannon Doherty. You see her previously when Heather Chandler is around. She's very meek, and she cowers to Chandler. She even has an eating disorder. and Because of Heather. Right, because she, like, needles at her head. And then after she dies, you see Shannon Doherty. Like, the next time you see her, she's just sitting in the locker room with the other girls eating a fucking rib. <laughs> they do, in this movie, try to imply people using these suicides that do happen throughout the movie for their own personal benefit, their own gain one of the teachers later on brings a whole news crew in to be like kumbaya we're all in this together we're gonna get through this oh yeah she's like oh so this school has been through so much tragedy and now i'm gonna be the one that brings everyone together and it's clearly just to get her name and her reputation up on the backs of these kids who are dead um, even though, spoiler alert, they didn't actually kill themselves, but still, everyone in the school thinks that they did. So it's it's just really, it's so fucked. So they have the funeral for Heather Chandler, and after that, one of the other Heathers, not Shannon Doherty, <laughs> goes up to Veronica and says, Hey, can you do me a favor? I want to go on the date with one of these fucking jock idiots, but they won't go without each other. So can you double with me so he can bring his little boyfriend, I, I mean best friend? <laughs> so Veronica's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of with JD, but like, yeah, I'll do you a favor. No worries. They go on a date. Cow tipping. Yeah. They take these girls to a pasture to get drunk and tip cows. And the reason I'm even bringing up this scene is really for at one point, jock number one that's with the Heather, they just cut to them two and he has her pinned on the ground and is clearly forcing sex on her. 
or forcing her into some sexual act because she's hitting him and pushing him off and like struggling. Yeah, she's clearly struggling. And they show it on screen for like not even a minute, pan away and just focus on Veronica. And she actually ends up leaving with JD. It's just the fact that they pay absolutely no mind to this and like treat it as an afterthought. That is, I think, so telling in the movie. It's obviously fucked up, but it just shows like how if you're like a pretty girl or if you're like just a teenager, like, oh, teenagers, you know, oh, kill those crazy kids or you're a popular girl. So you must you must want put out. Yeah, yeah. it's such a thing because like you want to just be like, that's a fucked up thing. You shouldn't happen. But so many people, it does happen, and so many people just like, ah, sh- sh- under the rug. Right. Again, they kind of just move on from it, and it's briefly mentioned later in the movie, but other than that, they don't really bring much attention to it. So, after all this happens, like I said, Veronica just leaves with JD. But it comes out the next day that apparently, during this date, Ram and Kurt got to sword fighting in Veronica's mouth. Oh my god, please, ugh, god. Okay, so they spread this nasty fucking rumor. JD and Veronica are pissed. So, um, what happens next is really stupid. And throughout the movie, there's an argument made by JD that, like, everything that Veronica does, which she does a lot of questionable and bad things, she makes the argument that JD kind of tricked her into doing these things. But JD makes the argument that "Mm, maybe you wanted to feel that way because it made you feel better. But I think you knew exactly what you were doing and you didn't want to admit it. So you kind of just used me as a scapegoat, which I would think is a pretty fair assessment. (laughs) Yeah. Because here's what he says to Veronica. He tells her, listen, I suggest we lure these fucking meatheads into the woods. We shoot them with tranquilizers, a.k.a. ikluga bullets and we humiliate them by staging them to look like lovers in this uh suicide pact now um my first question if someone said that to me would be why what do you mean a suicide pact what do you mean tranquilizers what are you saying and fun fact ikluga bullets is not a real thing it is german for i lie (laughs) ikluga i lie (laughs) so yeah even if you don't know German, I think it's fair to assume that Veronica could have probably seen many red flags with this plan, but just went along with it because she didn't like these fuckheads, which, again, is also fair, but, like, spoiler alert, they're not fucking tranquilizers, they're actual fucking bullets. Yeah. <laughs> and JD and Veronica end up luring these guys into the woods and murdering them in the woods. After stripping them down to their underwear. And again, making them look like gay lovers in a suicide pact, which, again, like with Heather Chandler, just turns them into martyrs because they killed themselves because the world didn't understand their homosexuality. <laughs> but I think it's also great how this movie balances like the dark elements and the humor. Because throughout this next chunk of movie, she, Veronica is really struggling with her guilt. To the point where she takes a car lighter, a cigarette lighter, and burns herself on her hand because she fucking hates herself for what she did. Also, at the same time, while they're at the funeral for these two football players, they are, one, being buried in their 
uniforms with their helmets on and footballs in their hands <laughs> look like fucking oh idiots. My God. And um, both of their clearly very, you know, football loving dads are standing over them. And one of them just yells out into the crowd. I love my dead gay son. And it's... <laughs> It's just, you know, you feel bad for laughing a little bit, but it's funny. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> and all, that's why I love this movie. Well, there's also a line here that I thought was also fucking hilarious. Like a uh, quarterback fucking a linebacker. Oh, what a waste. And I laughed my ass off at that because I'm like, they're clearly referencing that like, oh, the quarterback's the star of the team. Linebacker's kind of like just a random position. It's such a stupid little line, but like, eh, it's still kind of clever. But I, I do love, again, like how even though JD is clearly fucked up and a sociopath, you still do feel bad for him, especially later into the movie because you learn more about his backstory and how fucked up his upbringing was. You still do feel like there is a connection between him and Veronica in a sick way. Even though she's struggling with her guilt, she's tr- staying with him for a little bit. And trying to like work it out but then he just keeps doing crazy shit to the point where she can't take it anymore but i wanted to mention their relationship specifically because it reminded me of my favorite song in the show called 17 it's kind of a slower song and it's just between her and jd and she's basically just saying like can we stop killing people now (laughs) can't we just be 17 (laughs) can't we just be kids you know going to the mall and stuff and it's like oh you are 16 going on 17 no that's that's the wrong musical (laughs) she was only 17 that's another totally different song oh okay um she does eventually break up with jd He's basically trying to convince her to stick around. And then, again, back to, like, the sexual assault element of this movie. In an effort to try to convince her to stay, he just does a caveman grab and just smacks a kiss on her. And it's like, get the fuck away from me. That's the only thing about this movie, that scene. Well, he does it a couple of times. Because later on, they have an argument, too, when he wants her to come back to him and... She's like, no, and then he tries to grab her and kiss her again. I don't feel like the JD we've seen so far for the movie would do that. Oh, so you think that he would murder people, you know, well, with I'm, guns. Well, I'm not saying that. But he wouldn't, He wouldn't. Uh, you know, grab his girlfriend by the wrist and try to kiss her against her will. You I, think that's where he draws the line? I, I know it sounds weird. It does. And listen, I like the character of JD. I find him fascinating. I also find Christian Slater very, very attractive in this movie. However, I do recognize that there's something wrong with me. <laughs> because it's he's not a good no, person. No, I'm not saying he's a good person. I'm just saying... He's a sad person. He's a sad person. But, but like, yeah. I don't know. There's just something that feels weird here. It's a turning point for Veronica. She's, you know, distancing herself from the Heathers and distancing herself from JD. And she's trying to, like, live a normal fucking existence. While all of this stuff is happening, the bullied girl from the beginning of the movie, Martha, she, in reality, tries to kill herself by walking into traffic and fails. And 
instead of receiving help, support, she is made fun of. And she is accused of being a, a geek who's trying to copy what the popular kids are doing. Like, suicide is like this trendy thing, which is fucking insane. And then Heather McNamara, who we discussed earlier, she was the one uh, from the double date earlier. She calls in anonymously to a radio station to get advice on her depression. She says the last guy that she went out with killed himself the next day. And she's failing at school and she feels lost and all these things that like, you know, are clearly a cry for help. And both Heather Duke, who's Shannon Doherty, and Veronica are listening to this. And Veronica is obviously very concerned because, you know, she's at least a semi-normal human being. And Shannon Doherty proceeds to laugh and say that we're going to crucify her. Ha ha ha. What a dumb bitch. (laughs) The next day, they go into school and they're all bullying Heather McNamara and making her feel like shit to the point where she runs off to the bathroom and tries to OD on pills. And the only reason she doesn't is because Veronica stops her and she literally says to her, if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you do it? And Heather McNamara goes, probably. I, well, I find it funny because Veronica comes in and just like slaps the pills yeah. out of her mouth. Oh, she slaps fucking Shannon Doherty too. She does a lot of nice, hard, clean slaps in this movie because Shannon Doherty is completely turned into a cunt by this point. She is the new Heather Chandler, so to speak. So JD goes up to Shannon Doherty. He goes, I just want you to use your divine influence of the school to have every single solitary student sign this quote unquote petition and we don't know what it is we don't know what it's about jd says it's to get this rock band to perform at the prom but knowing jd that's a bunch of bullshit heather duke is like okay i will get everyone to sign this petition and jd actually gives heather duke as a sign of good faith chandler's red scrunchie which she always used to wear and it begs the question any normal human being would be like where did you get heather chandler's fucking scrunchie but no she doesn't ask that he just gives it to her and she takes it and puts it on and that's her like crown that she wears essentially signifying her new role as the queen bee of the school doesn't he also give her a copy of Moby dick does I think he gives her Heather she? Chandler's copy of Moby Dick. Oh, jeez. Okay. Shannon Doherty is getting everybody to sign this petition. She tries to get Veronica to sign it, and she's like, uh, no. And <laughs> Shannon Doherty proceeds to ask her in a beautifully delivered line. Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Why are you pulling my dick? It's literally like a fucking like mafia scene in this fucking high school with cunty bitches. I can't take it. Anyway, so after school, Veronica comes home and her parents are like, oh, your friend JD came by to uh, let us know that he's concerned. He thinks you're going to try and commit suicide. And her mom's like, oh, he left this for you. And she gives him and she gives Veronica an envelope and it's a message to Veronica written in her own handwriting written by JD. So he's basically telling her, I'm going to fucking kill you and make it look like suicide, bitch. Well, yeah, I think it says it's a perfect match, right? Or something yeah, like- something to that effect. And then she goes in her room and she sees a Barbie doll hanging by a shoestring or whatever from the ceiling. And it's like, oh, okay. So realizing that Veronica does something that, again, logically doesn't make sense in the execution of it so veronica 
fake hangs herself? How does she do this? I don't know. <laughs> She's literally hanging by bed sheets. There's no chairs around her. She's hanging by her neck and not moving an inch. And JD comes into her bedroom because, you know, that's his MO. You see, he just comes in through the fucking ladder in her room. But first of all, it's super eerie. Did you think she actually killed herself? Yes, kind of. You did. Because we don't know that it's fake when he goes into her room and she's just hanging there. And it's super eerie and quiet. And you're like, what the fuck? I mean, I obviously knew it was fake, but I was curious to see if you thought it was real. Well. I don't know if I thought it was real or not. It, it's it's tough because he monologues at it for like... Like a couple minutes. A couple minutes. <laughs> Let's say she can hold her breath for really long. Right. Yeah, Let's yeah, say yeah, she's yeah. an Olympics fucking swimmer. Yeah, she's got the lung capacity of like... Michael Phelps. Fuck, yeah. You're hanging by your neck. It might be like the, it's technically resting on her chin and not on her neck. Yeah, that's like the only... I don't know. It's Again, it's not really necessarily the most logical thing, but like it, it's for the purposes of Veronica has to hear this evil monologue where JD reveals that he has a plan to blow up the school at the pep rally tomorrow and make it look like a mass suicide because the uh, petition that he had everybody sign was really a mass suicide note. And then he says, damn it, Veronica, we could have toasted marshmallows together. <laughs> Which was like the best way to end it. And then he leaves. The next day at school, we get our climax of climaxes. Veronica ends up confronting JD in the boiler room at the school as he plants the dynamite in the basement. And uh, he says another line that's pretty funny. He looks at her after he realizes that she's alive and like, ah, I knew that loose was too noose. <laughs> I mean, noose this was too loose. Oh, my God. And then fucking great. knees her in the face. Yeah, he knocks her out pretty immediately, even though she has a gun on him. I'm like, oh, honey, you don't know what you're doing. And, <laughs> and then she comes out of it pretty quick, and they start fighting, going at it. She ends up shooting him in the middle finger as he's flipping her off, which oh, is great. Ow. Oh, that was that was so good. Ow. That, like, <laughs> oh, I need my middle finger. Like, that would hurt so bad. He then wraps it up in, like, a dirty fucking rag from the boiler room, which... I mean, at that point, I, I, he thinks he's going to fucking die. He doesn't care. But yeah, he kind of goes on this, like, you know, big monologue of a manifesto being like, high school is like society, man. And <laughs> people aren't meant to get along in society. The only place people can really get along is in heaven. So I'm going to kill everybody. Veronica gets JD to basically accidentally disarm the bomb and she just fucking leaves and then he eventually follows her outside with a bomb strapped to his chest because you know he doesn't do anything small JD he does everything big and loud oh no he fucking platoons it basically fucking stand he goes okay Veronica you win and he goes Ah, his arm stretched out, and he blows the fuck up. Yeah, it's really, it's it's a very cool fucking scene because he's kind of giving like his final words, his last goodbyes, and all that. And Veronica literally just solemnly like stands there and pulls out a cigarette and like stands there and watches it happen. And then he blows up, dies, and um, she just walks back into the school boss as fuck heather 
Duke walks up to her and goes, Veronica, you look like hell. Yeah, I just got back. Another great line, yes. And she takes the scrunchie from Duke and goes, there's a new sheriff in town, love. And then she, in the last scene of the movie, she goes up to Martha, who is still pretty badly injured from her attempted suicide, and says, hey, my prom date just kind of bailed on me. Do you want to, like, hang out and watch movies together instead, you and me? And Martha's like, yeah, I'd like that. And then they basically walk off into the sunset together. And it's very sweet. And we get que sera, sera, at que the sera. end again. Even though I killed three people. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I get that. And I would argue that she made up for that in some respect because she saved everyone else in the school. Yes, she did save so everybody else, it, yeah. but she still killed three people. But she, she stopped a, a host of people, many, much, many, much people from getting killed. Who would have been killed if she hadn't done anything? Hmm? Still the hmm? what? Hmm? A great deed does not forgive the bad deeds. I mean, I mean, it doesn't. But it, you know, it's it's a sign of good faith. It's a sign that she has evolved and changed as a human, and that's what we want in our movies, don't we? We want a hero that we can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> a hero we can relate to. Oh my god, do you think I'm done with the weird shit of this movie, Scott? No. There's more I have to tell you. Oh god, what more? So, that is the end of Heather's the movie that we got us audiences in 1989. We did have some alternate endings to this film. Two, as a matter of fact. Ah, okay. Hit me, hit me, hit me. Okay, so there was the original ending. You remember how towards the end of this movie, JD was like, the only place people can really get along is in heaven. Yes. So um, <laughs> they all go to heaven. Nice. Veronica ends up shooting JD and killing him and then killing herself and letting the school blow up and everybody dies and there's a prom scene. In heaven. It was deemed too dark for the film. Just a little, yeah. Which is fair. However, I think it, it would be interesting to see how they would have pulled that off. <laughs> they, st- they start, uh, as they're all dancing, I'm in heaven. Oh, jeez. I'm in <laughs> heaven. Oh, God. The other alternate ending is Martha, the bullied heavyset girl. She ends up stabbing Veronica uh, multiple times saying, fuck you, Heather, over and over. And Veronica lies there dying with the knife in her gut saying over and over again, I'm not Heather. <laughs> I'm not Heather. I'm not Heather. And she dies. Fun. So both endings are dark as fuck. <laughs> well, there is a line in this movie during the dream sequence mm-hmm. where... Veronica talks about anybody could co- become the next header. Mm-hmm. It could even be me. <gasps> right. So that like that line kind of makes sense with that ending. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm an optimist. I like the way it ended. 
I'm cool with it. If anything, I I would have been okay actually with the original ending more than the one where uh, Martha just stabs Veronica. Yeah. Because Veronica, throughout the whole movie, you at least somewhat relate to her because she still has some humanity left in her. You would have to change a little bit to make that ending work. I guess, yeah. If I was going to pick which one I would do, the oddly enough, I would want to see the prom scene in heaven where everyone's dead. Yeah. Scott, you you don't think I'm done yet, do you? Uh, With weird stuff? We're not done yet? No, we. I got one more weird thing. Okay. There's a sequel idea for this movie that never came to be. Oh, God. Would you like to hear about it? Sure, hit me. Ahem, <laughs> Our writer, Daniel Waters, said he had an idea for Heathers 2. In space? No. Oh. Thankfully, no. Um, Veronica apparently was going to start working as a page... For a senator named Heather, played by Meryl Streep. Oh, God. And then the movie was going to end with Veronica assassinating the president and getting away with it. Don't ask me how we get there. I don't know. Perhaps she was also named Heather, the president. I don't know. Winona Ryder was apparently super down for the sequel, but nothing ever came of it. Winona Ryder just seems to be down with whatever. I mean, if she likes it, I mean, clearly she was into the script because her own team was telling her, this is not good. It's going to ruin your fucking career. And she still did it because she clearly dug the script. Well, no, like she was down for that. She's down for the Beetlejuice, too. She's been down for that for like 20 years. I think they're going to, I think I heard something recently that they're actually going to do it. I don't know. They've been saying they were going to do it for the past 15 years. I know. That's (laughs) true. That would be kind of crazy if they did it now. Although now is the time and they're, they're doing remakes of everything now. If they did a Heathers 2, that would be fucking insane. I don't know if they could even pull that off now. Like it couldn't have obviously the 90s vibe. It would have to, ha- unless they just did a remake. I just don't think Heathers at this time in our society. <laughs> oh no. Not society. I don't think Heathers would be received well i think the movie in general is very late 80s early 90s it's got that fog over it if you get what i mean like it's you can definitely tell that it's from that era it's in that transitional era ah yeah yeah just like you know teenagers and society oh my god i love this movie people think it's super weird i remember telling my own mother that I w- we were gonna do this movie for the show and she was like what the why why are you doing what the fuck no i'm like it's fucking great i think it's just a it's just the right brand of weird yes so i have it as a three and a half but i gotta be honest maybe it's just you know my own talking this movie up but i feel like i talked myself up to a four <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but I just love this movie because I feel like people on the surface will look at it and be like, this is like fucking stupid and weird and dumb. But like, obviously, like I said, there are a lot of teen movies out there talking about the teen experience, but I feel like this does it in a completely unique and bombastic way. No pun intended with bombastic. See, I don't think you can call this movie stupid. I don't. I think it takes a bunch of subjects of involving the teen experience 
turns them up to 11 and just fucking takes shots at them. I think it's too smart to be called stupid. But I think this movie is just weird. And I think that's the thing people will would rebel against the most. If you're not willing to buy into the weirdness of this movie, you're not going to like this movie. I definitely agree. That's a great way to put it. Um, because there is a lot of weirdness and a lot of over-the-topness, but the over-the-topness has purpose. You know, it's like with any movie, like, I don't know. what What's a movie that's really over-the-top but with a purpose? Oh, I know. Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Scott hates Moulin Rouge, but I love it. So it, it's okay for a, a film to be over-the-top and borderline silly at times if there's a purpose to it also the script is hysterical the script I'm surprised, is fucking great i'm surprised it's not quoted more i, I guess that's because of the cult status lick but it up is quoted i've heard that quoted a lot i've he- also heard we didn't mention it before but there's a great line um heather chandler says it to shannon doherty i think she goes uh did you have a brain tumor for breakfast that i've heard <laughs> <laughs> but like, why are you pulling on my dick? Why are you pulling my dick? Like, uh, fuck me with thing. a chainsaw. Ge- fuck me gently with a chainsaw. <laughs> it's so, oh, it's so good. Just the delivery of the like lines like that too is like, ugh. Like it's just so common for these kids to speak like that. But like this movie, it really does ride that line between childhood and adolescence and adulthood and really kind of just does everything it can to show the audience that like this transitional period of life isn't just like it's not going to be glamorized like it is in the movies it's really fucked (laughs) and it shows what glamorizing that part of one's life in media does to actual kids like that you know what i mean yes it does do that again there's a lot you can take from Heather's. There There's really a lot. is. Yeah, that's why I love it. I'm fucking giving it a four. Fuck it. I'm moving it up to a four. Fucking fight me. That's fine. I, uh, again, I'm fine with that. I gave it a three and a half. All right, that's fair. Because, but it it's pro- it's probably a three point seven five to be honest. It is a good movie. This is a movie you almost have to watch two times. Yeah, I would definitely say that because like I said in the beginning, the first time I watched it, I didn't really get it. Well, not even that. I think because of how weird and how like crazy moments are, it takes you like, whoa, wait a second. Holy like shit. And you almost have to refocus yourself. Like I totally missed some lines because of how like I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then you almost have to like refocus on the movie. Right. I think with a second viewing, I think I would like it even more because I wouldn't be as shocked by some of the shocking moments Mm -hmm. that I would get to appreciate other moments. So I think this is a movie that needs to be viewed multiple times. Well, I will gladly watch it with you again. And maybe I'll end up giving it a five after I watch it for the fourth or fifth time. It just keeps going up. Yeah. Now it's a six out of five. I don't know how that happened. Because listen, like after we, because it's true, like after we've really discussed it and like I genuinely really like this movie and I understand why it's a cult classic because it totally bombed at the box office. Like I think it made only like a million dollars back out of its three million dollar budget, but it's still, it's got something to say. 
and it maybe said it too loud for people to really sit back and listen to it but now that some time has passed more people are able to to accept it and hear it and take it in and if you haven't listened to the soundtrack for the musical do it because it's not like a typical musical like you know they're not singing like oklahoma where the winds get no where the wind comes sweeping down the plains yeah no it's genuinely fun and it's got great like rhythm beats to it it's good and the fucking singing is sick it's got a lot of belting and rockness. it's awesome so um i'm really glad we watched this now i have changed my opinion even more so for the better than i previously had thought was possible i'm very excited and i'm excited you watched it now and you want to watch it again <laughs> it's available on tubi go watch it on tubi yeah it's free. please do um but next week it's not just any old normal episode of shoot the flicks oh, i don't no, know if you realized it isn't our, our next episode of shoot the flick just happens to fall on uh 420 Oh, yes, it does. And so, Scott's turn. Yeah, Scott's going to show me something. And um, I'm I'm excited because um, it, it's a movie that I've heard a lot about but have never actually seen. So I'm excited to get a little funky. It's going to be a good day. Oh, geez. Um, so until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I am Scott Eisenberg. Oh, my God. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick. And check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our loosey-goosey, fun and fancy-free movie adventure. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. No. I